Welcome to this special edition of Real Deal Podcast on the Monday, snowy, a snowy Monday here on the East Coast, especially in the DMV. Uh, I'm your host, Real Gerald Quinn, on this 757th episode of the Real Deal Podcast, right? That's right, 757, not too far from 800. I'm going to be coming up uh, probably in a... Um, we you know, probably in a couple months, about three or four months, uh, about three or four months. So looking forward to that. A um, lot to do in the world of sports and pop culture, but uh, we we're going to begin. Um, uh, and of course, I have to begin, and probably will c- come close to ending with one John Cheney, um, the legendary coach. Uh, from Temple University, who, of course, passed away on uh, Friday. Uh, Cheney, you know, if you're somebody who grew up in the Philadelphia area or outside the Philadelphia area, which I did, you know, in the suburbs, about 25, 30 minutes away, you grew up on the likes of John Cheney. You grew up on the likes of, uh, you know, Carter and Sanborn in terms of the radio. You grew up on, you know, I mean, Philadelphia, again, was a basically a hop, skip, and a jump away from, from where um, I, I lived um, in, you know, Marshall, Pennsylvania, Trenton, New Jersey. And, you know, John Cheney was and always will be an institution uh, with amongst himself. Um you know, we could talk about the wins. Uh, he won a lot of games, of course, you know, 741, uh, which, you know, puts him, you know, somewhere in the uh, you know, top, you know, 50, top 60 all-time as far as wins and, you know, the Elite Eights and all the, the A-10 championships and what he did for the program, uh, you know, what he did for Temple Basketball, um, just reestablishing them uh, to national prominence when he came in in 82, but really wouldn't do much justice to zero in on or even give a a lot of attention towards uh, what he did um, in between those white lines in in terms of coaching. This was a man who saved lives. And in particular, the lives of, of of a number of African-American men, African-American boys who came to him, boys, came to him as a boy and graduated as men or left or left Temple University as men. And, you know, he gets to Temple and he gets to Temple in 82, uh, coming off 10 years from, at, at Cheney State uh, in which he won the national champion, won a, a, a Division II national championship. Of course, he you know coached there for ten years along alongside the legendary C. Vivian Stringer, um, and you know you, you think about again the Philadelphia. You think about Philadelphia institutions and all the history of, that the city of Philadelphia has, uh, in not just sports but just in culture, in music, film whatever, you know, pop culture, whatever, in any walk of life, uh, medicine, 
And, you know, John Cheney is, you know, you, you think of Philadelphia, you John Cheney is probably one of the top things you think about when you think about the city of Philadelphia. He was Philadelphia. Um, you're talking about somebody who coached, nah, I mean, he coached middle school in Philadelphia. He coached middle school, he coached high school, he coached college in Philadelphia. Uh, he played in Philadelphia. He, he was a very good player. It was a obviously a very good player. And if it wasn't for, you know, just basically being born too early, he he would have been, he would have played in the, in the uh, NBA. But, um, you know, you, he is, you know, somebody who just, uh, you know, they don't make them like that anymore. They, they just, they just don't in college basketball in, in sports period. They don't make guys who care more about uh, others than they do about wins and losses. And sure, you know, Cheney wanted to win. He was a fierce competitor, would fight you, ask, you know, ask John Calipari or try to fight you. And, you know, took no shit from no one. But more importantly, he was about developing, developing and uh, bringing along black, black men and saving black men. Uh, he grew up without a father. So he could relate to, uh, to a few of his players who, um, grew up or came to Temple University's Kimmel Temple University not having that father figure. Um and you know he, you know out of all the jobs that he could have probably could have probably taken out of you know he took a job I mean he took a job that was not gonna be easy. When he came to Phil, when he came to Temple University, you know Temple, you know Temple has a rich bas- basketball history, but remember you know, McGonagall Hall is like a high school gym. <laughs> when you came to Temple, it was a high school gym. You're trying to recruit. Temple was Temple was a commuter school uh, in the '80s, and really didn't become a a school where people wanted to stay on campus. I would say until I, basically, probably until I got there in the late uh, late to mid '90s, late '90s, early 2000s. To be honest with you when they started building dorms and, you know, the Leah Cora Center came along in, uh, I think, like, 96 or 97. And, you know, Leah Cora Center, Leah Cora Center happened mainly because of John Cheney and the prominence that he brought uh, with, with, with what was going on on the court uh, for Temple basketball. He coached most of his career um, having to – you know, not having the greatest, let's be honest, the greatest of resources as far as, um, you know, recruiting, uh, you know, recruiting at a community school, McGonagall looking like a high school gym. Um, yeah, he would get an All-American uh, every four or five years. I think that was All-American. But for the most part, he had players. He, he wanted the stories. He wanted he wanted tough guys. He wanted, he wanted guys from uh, homes that were, you know, that were that had rough situations. He wanted he wanted the players who uh, were were fatherless. He he gravitated to those guys. And again, there like no amount of victories will ever come like will ever compare compare to the impact that he had on countless players and coaches 
and, uh, and, and people who came in, in came into contact with them. And Cheney, listen, Cheney, Cheney was a straight shooter. Cheney wasn't without was was without uh, was not without his flaws, as we all are. Uh, you know, his career did not end what it didn't particularly end in particularly well uh, those last couple of years. Uh, a lot, you know, probably you know probably retired three two or three years too late to be honest with you. But you know, it happens. You see a lot of coaches, you know, who who uh, are lifers, and he was he was in essence a lifer. Uh, you know. You know, didn't retire, you know, retired in 06. So, he, you know, he coached into, uh, into his 70s or late 60s, early 70s. But, uh, you know, again, his impact is, is about, to me, is about off the court. It is strictly, to me, is about off the court to, you know, to take on that type of job, to take on the, you know, to put that pressure on yourself to where you are not here. You, you, you know, you want to win games, but more importantly, you want to say, you, you want to make sure that these, that these young men walk out of Temple University as men and as productive men in society. And as men who could, you know, who could lead, you know, families lead, you know, be, be able to lead other men down the road, in terms of generations down the road, that was his goal. That was his passion. Uh, the basketball was just something that he just happened to be good at, great at in terms of coaching. But he was a he was a leader of men. So uh, and, and, you know, this you know it, it goes without saying, and you, know, you hear this a lot of times when you know a legendary figure passes away or somebody of note passes away, there will never be another. Well, I think this is very safe to say, uh, and I feel confident in saying that they, there will never be another John Cheney. There'll never be another John Cheney. Um, he, again, you hear about all his, you know, you know, all his players talked about that tough love and talked about and you hear, you hear this a lot with players um, about, you know, they don't, they get it. They don't really get it until after they've graduated or after they've, you know, developed, um, after over the course of time in which they, you know, got some life, you know, life skills and got some life, more life experience under their belt, under their belt to where they fully understand what he was trying to do. Uh, for them, or what, or, or why he was so tough on them. Like again, I, you know, having some, having lost, you know, uh, our rest in peace, Coach Colin, uh, a couple years back. Um, you know, I, I I didn't necessarily get along with get along with my high school coach during the time that I played for him, but it wasn't until again I became an adult, became a man, fully understood. Like yeah, you know he. You know, I understood what he was trying to accomplish and what he and the things that he would say uh, resonated years later. And I think that's that certainly was the case with many, if not all of uh, John Cheney's players. And again, uh, you know, I, I you know, that time, you know, the, and I, you know, I came along, I, you know, came along perfect timing um, in regards to when I got to Temple University to, and, and, and when he was, you know, he was still 
at the top of his game. Um, you know, some of those moments where, you know, you beat Cincinnati with Kenyon Martin, number one ranked Cincinnati, and, you know, we run out in the middle of the streets like, you know, <laughs> like like crazy 19, 20-year-old college kids that we were, or you beat Michigan State with Mateen Cleaves and, and Morris Peterson and you rush the floor or you beat Cincinnati or you beat uh, Maryland, you know, some of those victories that they had were, you know, will, you know, be always, you know, will be lifelong memories for me, uh, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, he, you know, it was, uh, he was a major, he was the number one reason for that. Um, so this guy, you know, this man was a coach's coach. Uh, I'm surprised that he wasn't, I'm surprised that he never didn't return to coaching uh, in, you know, elementary school or something. It just seemed like he was bound to just, just finish his be coaching for the rest of his life. Um, but uh, of course, you know, he had, you know, of course, later on in the years, he got up there in age, you know, with, you know, had failed health, had some health issues, but, you know, whatever, regards to that, lived a complete, lived a full life. And you, you know, you live to a, you get to, you get to 89, um, you, you've gotten your money's worth. You get 89 years on this earth. You know, I, I would sign up for 89 years right now. Um, but uh, he certain, certainly will be missed. He certainly is, you know, a legend, an icon, a, you know, a Philadelphia hallmark, uh, to say the least. So, John Cheney, um, Mr. Al, Mr. Temple, and just, you know, a, 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 a absolute one of a kind. Um, definitely, definitely made the world a better place with his presence. A couple of real thoughts. Um, of course, you had the big trade in the uh, NFL with the Rams and Lions. Uh, Jared Goff going to Detroit. Uh, Jared Goff going to Detroit, Matthew Stafford going to uh, going to Los Angeles. The Ram, the the, the uh, Lions also get two first round picks, twenty twenty two and twenty twenty three, and a third round pick in twenty twenty one. So you know they get a you, you get a nice haul, you get a great haul haul if you're the Lions. He wasn't going nowhere with Stafford anyway. Uh, that had ran his course. Um. But this is more about the Rams. Um, the Rams, of course, could care less about a first-round pick. They haven't drafted uh, in the first round in like in, in over seven years. They are clearly going trying to win it now. They are clearly telling you that the difference between them winning a Super Bowl and being just a, a fringe playoff team is, uh, is 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 Jared Goff. And if you're the Rams, you're, this is your thinking. You're like, hey, you're thinking to yourselves, if we had Matthew Stafford uh, two years ago, we would have beat the Patriots. That is, that is their thinking. That is how down they were on Jared Goff when, when he left out here. I've never seen a quarterback get shitted on by an organization uh, on the way out the door as much as Jared Goff did uh, with the Rams. I mean, they, 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 this trade, I mean, this trade had to happen. There was no way that Goff could have, could have come back next year on that team. I, I just, I, I don't think that relationship could have been repaired between Goff and the, and, and the franchise. And it went, it went bad quickly. And I, I mentioned this, you know, to Robert Sapp, when we were talking about the playoffs and talking about the Rams and, uh, 
the Packers, all you need to know was the fact that golf, you know, thumb was healthy and the fact that uh the quarter and I forgot the quarterback's name, that guy would have started against Green Bay had he, you know, had he been healthy. He would have definitely started against Green Bay. I forgot the I forgot the quarterback's name. The the backup. I think Wofford. Yeah, Wofford would have started for sure <laughs> against Green Bay. There's no two ways about it. Had he been healthy, of course he got hurt in the um uh, of course, he was hurt in the uh, wild card game against uh, Seattle, but uh, there's no question that Wofford would have started that game uh, if he had been healthy. They were completely done with golf. Um, they uh, couldn't move him fast enough, and now you know. I, I think moving forward, what you're going to see, you seen golf, you seen what's happened to golf and Wentz. Those are the two top picks. <laughs> In 2016, uh, Golf and Wentz, and they both got paid earlier. Go, they both got paid relatively early. I think you're going to see a change in the NFL with these teams kind of not having that quick trigger on paying these quarterbacks before they have to. Uh, I definitely think that 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 is coming um, in regards to the, in regards to in, in the future in the, in the very near future. So I, I think you're going to have to be, you know, a short-fired uh, Patrick Mahomes. You're going to have to be um, on that level or, close, or, or somewhere close to that level in, in order for a quarterback to get paid early. Um, because it hasn't, it, you know, it certainly has not worked out with uh, Wentz or uh, with Goff. Um, again, I don't blame the Rams for making this move whatsoever. The Rams are in win-now mode. They have a championship defense. They, you know, need to tweak that offensive line, rebuild that running game. Um, they have enough weapons on the outside. That's not a problem. Uh, it's just a matter of them. It's just a matter of, 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 you know, can Matthew Stafford be the difference between them uh, being a being a consistent playoff team versus being a Super Bowl contender? Now, a lot of people love this trade for the Rams. A lot of people are there. I've heard a couple people even say that. Rams are the clear-cut favorites in the AFC next year. I'm not going to go that far. I think they'll be they will be amongst the favorites uh, next year with Stafford. I think Stafford, you know, fits with that you know, fits with that offense, fits with McVay, um, and I, I I definitely think it's an upgrade. But um, we're going to find out next year who's like, we're going to find out about McVay as well next year in terms of whose fault. Whose fault was it that the Rams have, have kind of set, have kind of went backwards since they uh, went to the Super Bowl? Was it McVay or was it uh, Goff? Does they go out there next year and get you know don't make the playoffs or go out there and get put out you know in the in the wild card round something like that? Then we can start. Uh, then you seriously have to start questioning Sean McVay. Uh, I'm not gonna put all all the struggles of the Rams on on Jared Goff. McVay. You know, definitely had they teams have definitely called to his offense. Now, again, according to the rounds, basically, golf was golf didn't allow them to uh, to do some of the things that he wanted to do. I don't buy, I don't completely buy all of that, all of that, uh, all of that. But um, certainly, one thing for sure, um, Stafford is is an upgrade, and this is a trade that I would have made as well. There also were some reports that agreed that. Uh, they offered 
Green Bay uh, golf uh, and for Rodgers and some picks as well that they offered that they made a run at Aaron Rodgers. Of course, uh, Green Bay denies that. I I would not be surprised if that was the case. That would that would make certainly perfect sense to, for you to try to get Aaron Rodgers. You know, just just you know, just make the call. If you say no, if, you know, Green Bay says no, then so be it. But just you have to make that call considering how Green Bay season uh, ended. So this is the first of the quarterback dominoes. Um, have a feeling that uh, you know Deshaun Watson will be traded next, um, and. Houston is asking for basically everything uh, outside of the, you know, every, you know, Houston basically is, is as seemingly, seemingly is going to ask for everything uh, not nailed down, which they should, which they should for, for a, you know, 24 year old quarterback who hasn't reached his prime yet, who's already established himself as one of the better young quarterbacks in the league. Um, there's not enough that they can't ask for. And uh, that team should would, should be willing to give up to get that guy. So we'll see what happens with uh, with that. But again, over the weekend, the big news in regards to quarterbacking, a rare, a rare quarterback for quarter, quarterback trade. Uh, you know, have been about four or five years since two quarterbacks have been traded for each other. Um, so this one made all the sense in the world. Um, I think golf is a decent player. I don't think golf will ever be a, a superstar, but I think. You, know, you can get you can get to the playoffs with golf. Um, we'll see what how he develops in Detroit. Uh, I don't have high expectations for him in Detroit because there's not a lot there. Uh, you know they got a new coach. We'll see. You know, of course they got a new coach. We'll see how that works out. But to me, this is, this is the story is this is way more about the Rams than anything else. Um, I understand that today is the you know the official first day of Black History Month. And I, and I have it written down here. Black history is not a month. It's a, it is a lifestyle. It's a way of life. You want to put it that way. And, and listen, I I go back and forth with, with black history. I understand, you know, being from a educational, being in education as long as I have been, I understand that you want to uh, discuss it with the kids, that you want the kids to celebrate it. But you also, we also want to understand that this, that, that, Black history is, is is every single day, and that we should not just zero in, zero in on one month uh, to celebrate it and ignore it the other eleven months. Like we like, so I, it's kind of like, I, I kind of go back and forth with it. Uh, just I, just just keep that same energy for the entire year. Keep that same energy for the entire year because one one month doesn't do black history any justice whatsoever. There are not enough months to celebrate all the black history and culture and contributions that African-Americans have, have made to society and this world. It's just not enough. So uh, that to me would be the next step. I'd like, you know, black culture should be celebrated every month. There should be a theme every month in regards to black culture. Um, so um, just keep that in mind uh, as we, um, you know, go through this month of February. February. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for this latest edition of the Real Deal Podcast, episode 756 or 757. I will see you next time. As always, you can subscribe to my YouTube channel, uh, Real Deal Podcast. 
this episode this episode will be up uh before the night is out before the night is uh is, is over i will see you next time enjoy your week i'm out